What's going on, guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins, and over the next hour, I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, back for another episode this week of Moonlight Madness here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I've got Daniel Locke in studio with me as he gets set up. Just want to make sure you guys are aware of my new gig that I've got going on over on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. I'm working with Noah Gardner, and our show is called On the Line. It is every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Central Time over on ESPN 106.7 here in Auburn, or you can listen to us on the ESPN 106.7 app or on the website. Just look it up on online for the app. And it's also as a podcast as well, or you can listen live again on ESPN 106.7 here in Auburn. But this is Moonlight Madness here on Week on 91.1 FM. Like I said, I'm your man, Jacob Goins, and I've got Daniel Locke in the studio with me tonight. Daniel, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good, Jacob. Thank you for having me. We had a great two-hour Super Bowl special on the Eagles' Nest this morning. Everyone, if you wouldn't mind looking that up. It was just a really good show. Looking forward to more fun sports talk here tonight. And, of course, we have a full slate of the hour show for you guys tonight. We'll start out, as we always do, with the big three. Then we'll move in to take a look around Auburn Athletics. Then we will do a live score update of some sports going on around the country. And then we'll finish with everybody's favorite segment, What Are the Odds? So, Without further ado, I got the announcement out of the way about my new show, so let's jump right into the Big Three. So, number one tonight on the Big Three, and for Auburn fans, it's not going to be a pleasant number one of the Big Three, but it's something that is pretty big going on when it comes to our basketball program. And, of course, on Tuesday night, the number one ranked Auburn Tigers traveled to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on a very, very hot Arkansas team. And Daniel, the Tigers fell for the first time since November, a four-point loss, 80-76 to in overtime on the road at Arkansas. Your thoughts? Man, it was painful, man. Like, it was, you know, I take that back. Painful is not really the right word, but it was very unpleasant to watch. I, I kind of had a bad feeling about that game the whole day. And, you know, it's crazy to believe that, Wendell didn't really shoot well, which he he normally is hands down. But Walker had a great day, like 19 points, 16 rebounds, I think seven blocks. So he almost had his second triple-double of the year, third in the history of the program of Auburn. Two of those would have been his. But it's just crazy to believe that they would play that good or that Auburn would be able to – hang with them, missing Zepp Jasper, who is an important part of the team defensively. And I don't know, it's just I, I don't feel like it's as bad as it looks. And you mentioned a couple of different factors that I think are really important here. One, of course, Auburn played without Zeb Jasper, their starting point guard, which I think is a big deal. And no, that's not the reason that Auburn lost this basketball game, but I think it is important to – you know, understand and and to make that point clear that while Zeb Jasper did not play, that he's a big piece missing from this Auburn basketball team because no, he doesn't score twenty points a game and no, he doesn't get double digit assists, but he doesn't turn the basketball over. And I think that's one of the biggest things and that's his biggest impact is his his ball handling skills and his defense on guards. I think those two things are what make him a starting point guard in the SEC. And Auburn missed that on Tuesday night with Zeb Jasper not in the lineup. Yeah, they definitely, definitely missed him because they were not able to get the same pressure they normally can on the basketball on the defensive side of things. And I feel like Zepp really proved how important he is to this team by the Georgia game and the Arkansas game. I don't know if it's anything's been said, but I really hope he's playing Saturday against Texas A&M. I think he is. I think 
from what Bruce said today, the plan is for him to go on Saturday. Not 100% though, but I think the plan is to get him back into the rotation on Saturday against Texas A&M. And then another point that you made was Walker Kessler solidifying himself as what I would say is the MVP of this Auburn basketball team. I think Walker Kessler is the most valuable player on this Auburn basketball team. If you take Walker Kessler out of the game against Arkansas on Tuesday night, Auburn loses that game by 20-plus points. Yeah, I agree. And Jabari's definitely the most talented, but as far as being the most, like the biggest leader and the most important player on the floor, it's definitely Walker. Because once he fouled out in overtime, they missed him. And you, you could tell. Right. And when I think of the most valuable player, I always have this debate with people when the NFL MVP comes around or the NBA MVP award comes around. And my biggest, my biggest thing on the MVP is this. To be considered the most valuable player, that doesn't mean you have to be the best player or the most skilled player on the team. But what that does mean is if you are the most valuable player and to determine who that is, take that player off the floor, take that player off the field and see how the team would perform without that player on the field or on the court or whatever. And for this Auburn basketball team, if you take Walker Kessler off the floor the last two months of the season, Auburn doesn't win probably at least a quarter, if not maybe 30 to 40% of their games that they've already won this season. And look at the game against Arkansas. While they didn't win the game, Walker Kessler had a, a, a near triple-double again this season because he put Auburn on its back, on, on, on his back, I should say, and he kept Auburn in that basketball game. And shockingly, he kept Auburn in the basketball game in the first half by a couple of three-point shots. And I don't normally agree with him shooting the basketball from out there. But you just look at what he does from all over the floor, and especially on the defensive side of the basketball with his blocks. In my mind, there's no doubt about it that Walker Kessler is the most valuable player on this Auburn basketball team. Skill set? Maybe not. Jabari's probably the most skilled. But there's times where Jabari just doesn't show up at times during a game. Yeah, definitely. And part of that, I feel like it's just Jabari doesn't necessarily get fed as much as I would like to see him get fed. However, he still gets the ball probably. Jabari probably touches the ball every offensive possession that Auburn takes. So when you see, like, it's so good that this team has the depth to be able to survive when Jabari's having an off night. Like, Walker getting 19 points, and, you know, Wendell had an off night. But normally, Wendell Green is very reliable from three. Yeah, and and the problem on Tuesday was Auburn likes to run the pick and roll with Wendell Green and Walker Kessler. There's no – I mean, everybody in the country knows that that's what Auburn likes to do. Wendell Green will bring the ball across half court. Walker Kessler's going to come up, set the high ball screen, and Wendell's either going to drive the lane and finish or he's going to lob it up to the seven-foot-one big man. But what Arkansas did was they bottled Wendell Green up. They bottled him up as soon as he crossed half court. And then if he passed the ball off, they almost they just collapsed on him without the basketball and they guarded him so closely that he couldn't even get the basketball back. And with Zepp Jasper not being on the floor and KD Johnson having an off night and not being the most reliable ball handler, Auburn didn't know what to do with the basketball at times. And Arkansas gave them all the credit because they played they played Auburn perfectly when it came to defense. They stopped the pick and roll because they limited it very well. But to give Wendell Green credit, he was driving the lane a lot of the first half and late in the second half and finishing at the lane. And that's why, or in the lane and at the rim, and that's why I think on that final shot that Auburn had a chance to win the game, instead of Wendell shooting a 30-foot three-point shot, that play was drawn up for him to drive the lane and finish at the rim or get fouled, but yet he, he elected to take the deep three-point shot and go to overtime and ultimately end up losing by four. Yeah, and I just don't really – I kind of wish he had driven. Maybe we could see what would have happened. It would have been nice to have won that game, but honestly, I feel like this team definitely needs to drop one. So, I'm not really too upset, honestly. It's just it's part of it. you, well, you got to yeah. drop some. Well, that goes into my next question. I was going to ask, are you concerned – 
for this Auburn basketball team now that they are a two-loss team. First loss in the SEC was on Tuesday night for Auburn. So now that this team is 22-2, and they're 10-1 and in conference play with, let's see, seven games to go in the SEC. Are you concerned for this Auburn team just like with the loss on Tuesday night, or do you think it's going to be okay? What's your, what's your thought on that, Daniel? I honestly think they'll be okay. Like, it happens. Like, everyone loses games. Um, and I don't think we'll drop. We still have one game lead in the SEC to win the regular season championship and added on to that the one seed in the SEC tournament. So, I feel like we will – I don't think we're going to drop another. Which is crazy. You bring up the point that Auburn, after going on a 20-something game win streak, being the number one team in the country for three weeks in a row now, they won't be come Monday. They will drop in the polls. I don't think by much. But with all that being said, there's still only one game up on Kentucky in the SEC, which is so crazy because Kentucky, they're playing very, very good basketball right now. Yeah, they are, and they've they've gotten hot. We, we, lit, we definitely lit a fire under them um, after we beat them. So I feel like we're just, Auburn's going to have to be careful. I feel like they may have kind of forgotten that they're human a little bit. So from this point going forward, they're really going to have – I feel like this will be a, a kind of like a good reset button. And, and Auburn even kind of admitted it, you know, especially Wendell Green after the game. He said, I had forgotten what it felt like to lose. And whether he was joking or not, it, it, he probably had some truth to that because Auburn hadn't lost in a long time. They were, they were on a 20-something game winning streak. They hadn't lost since November in a triple overtime game against UConn. And so now you could say Auburn's still undefeated in regu- or in, in uh, regulation time. But, no, I, I'm not worried about Auburn either. I think this was a good loss. This is no way, shape, or form a bad loss for Auburn. I don't – I they're not going to get any any negative publicity, if for lack of a better word, from – the tournament committee, and when it when in March Madness rolls around, this is not a bad loss. Arkansas should have already been ranked in the top 25, but now they definitely will be. So a four-point loss in overtime on the road at Arkansas, a should-be top 25 team, <clears throat> excuse me, in the SEC, that's not a bad loss. That's about as good as it gets if you're trying to take a loss. Yeah, and – that was a tough road environment. On the TV, it looked tough. So I'm really not surprised, especially after the way the Georgia game went. Um, so it's just I really do think we'll be okay. Well, that's going to do it for number one of the big three here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, the big game on Sunday, the Super Bowl coming up. We're going to preview the Bengals and the Rams, and then we're going to dip into some NHL talk to wrap out the big three here on Moonlight Madness. You are listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle. Excuse me, Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. Daniel Locke is in studio with me yet again tonight. Always fun to have him on as a guest. We are rolling on with the big three into number two of the big three. The Super Bowl this Sunday, it is finally here after a what what I could, would consider a miserable Pro Bowl last weekend. We now have the Super Bowl this coming up Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. It's finally here, one of the best days in sports all year long. It's the Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams from L.A., the second straight year that a Super Bowl team will be hosting the Super Bowl. Of course, the Tampa Bay Bucks last season quote-unquote hosted the Super Bowl so now we have it again from LA for the Rams and the Bengals Daniel your initial thoughts on this matchup before we talk about some predictions later on you know it's interesting neither of these quarterbacks have ever played in a Super Bowl before I would be interested to know when the last time oh wait I I just answered my own question in my head, but I was about to say I'd be interested to know in the last time there was a Super Bowl matchup when both starting quarterbacks hadn't been in one, 2019, um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers, I forgot about that for a second, but before then I bet it had been a minute. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely 
not as common as you would think it would be, but that's because the NFL has had guys like Tom Brady who are in the Super Bowl more times than not in their career. And so guys like uh, you know, guys like Matthew Stafford, right, haven't ever gotten that shot. And Aaron Rodgers normally is not in there. And, you know, in, in situations like that. And so, and I like to see it this way. I like to see two quarterbacks that are going to be going at it for the very first time in the Super Bowl. Of course, you have Matthew Stafford, who played in Detroit for years and years and years and never even made the playoffs and just was a miserable experience for him. And then he comes to L.A., and the and the Rams just throw a ton of money into this football team and just stack it up with as many studs as they could find versus the Cincinnati Bengals. I used to call them the Bungles, but I guess I can't really call them the Bungles anymore as a joke, but that's for all my friends up in Cincinnati and in Ohio, all the Bengals fans out there. But I respect the Bengals. I really do. And here's the thing. They've been bad my entire life. I've been alive for 22 years, and the Bengals have been terrible all 22 years. But now here they are. Second-year starter, Joey B., Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, Joe Burrow, the second-year starter in the NFL, has taken this Cincinnati Bengals team to the Super Bowl, and he's got a couple studs around him on the offensive side as well. Both teams have their flaws. But, Daniel, I think we're in for a fantastic game on Sunday. I do, too. And I really feel like a key to the game is going to be how does the Bengals' offensive line hold up. L.A.'s got arguably the best front seven in the NFL. And Joe Burrow took a lot of sacks against Kansas City. I can't remember the exact number. He took nine against the um, Titans. So he's been hitting the ground a lot. And as an offensive line, the wor- as a former offensive lineman myself – the worst feeling, and believe me, I had this feeling a lot, is when you look back and see your quarterback on the ground. That Because you know you failed. Like, you failed. You had one job, and you failed. And I think that's the matchup that everybody has been pointing out is the the fact that the Bengals' offensive line is just not that good, and that's okay. Like, they they know that. it's That's been a known fact all season and all postseason long, but yet – Despite everybody doubting the Bengals' offensive line and doubting the Bengals as a whole, here they are in the Super Bowl representing the AFC up against a Rams team that is just stacked with studs on both sides of the football. Yeah, and can Eli Apple guard Cooper Cup or Odell Beckham Jr.? I don't think so. The Rams are they're at on paper they've got a definite advantage so I feel like it's going to be a lot for Cincinnati to overcome well they should have the advantage the amount of money that the Rams have put into this team is unbelievable it is a do or die year for the Rams it was since week one and it still is here at the final week of the season in the Super Bowl and the Rams was it was win or bust at this point because they put so much money in the offensive side with Matthew Stafford, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, all of those guys. And then on the other side of the ball, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the Rams are just stacked everywhere you look, but they put so much money, and after this year, it's all going to fall apart. So they had to win this year, and they're right there. It's as close as you can be without winning it. So we'll see what the Rams can do against the Bengals on Sunday. And again, I really do think this is going to be a fantastic game on Sunday. I think we're in for a treat for all four quarters. I don't see a blowout. I hope there's not a blowout. But I also think we're going to get some points in this game as well because both offenses have proven that they like to do what they do and put points on the board and in a timely fashion. I think it's going to be a lot like both conference championships where the scoring was a little slow in the first half, but it really opened up in the second. More so the NFC and the AFC, because I think the AFC championship game was like 24-20 at the half, something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. But I think both teams were still had a single-digit number on the board at halftime in the NFC championship game. So I feel like it'll be, I think it'll be more like the NFC than the AFC game for the Bengals to win. 
So you're predicting a slow first half and then the pick it up in the second half. Are you saying it's going to be a defensive game in the first half, or are you thinking that the offenses just don't really get it clicking? I think the offenses are going to struggle to get it clicking on top of the defenses capitalizing on that. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams turn it over. So besides the offensive line struggles of the Bengals, and then you already mentioned the Eli Apple situation of the Bengals on defense because it is known that quarterbacks like to go after Eli Apple because it's been proven that he he gives up a lot of yards as a safety. But despite those things, give me one more thing in particular that you are looking for in this game. It can be a specific matchup. It can be – I mean, it can be anything – that you want. What's one more thing you're looking for in this matchup on Sunday? Evan McPherson has proved himself to be one of the most clutch kickers in the NFL. So if you're Cincinnati, you don't necessarily need touchdowns. If you can get to the 40 or even the 45 yard line, you're pretty much good for three points. Because Evan McPherson, they call him Money Mac for a reason. He does not miss those kicks. So I I don't really feel like you have the same luxury if you're LA. Like, they have a good kicker, but he's not quite as good. So, with all that being said, what is your prediction for the Super Bowl on Sunday? You're, are you taking the Bengals and Joey B? Are you taking the first time the, the veteran Matthew Stafford in the L.A. Rams? Give me your pick and why. You know, I've got to go with the Rams and Matt Stafford just because, honestly, looking at this matchup, even looking at it on paper, I really just don't – I think that Cincinnati is going to struggle. I think it will be close, and I don't think that the Rams will cover. But I, I think it will be about a three-point game. I feel like it will be very good, but when the dust settles and it's all said and done, I feel like the Rams are going to be taking home the Lombardi. So Daniel Locke has the Rams winning the Super Bowl to defeat the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. I will give my pick – in the last segment of the show with my what are the odds pick because it ties right into that. So I will give my pick on that segment. But Daniel Locke, you have the Rams winning the Super Bowl over the Bengals. Sure do. All right. I'm confident in that. Confident in that. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up number two of the big three. We're going to jump right into number three of the big three, a topic that Daniel, you asked me specifically if we could talk about it, and I love the idea, man. We don't talk about it enough on this show, and I don't think it gets enough national media coverage as it is. The NHL, man, there's been a lot of news going on in the National Hockey League. What's something that's on your mind when it comes to the hockey world? Two things come to my mind immediately. I'll cover the good one first and then the not-so-good one. You and I are both big Boston Bruins fans. That's our team. Yes, sir. So we had to say a very good, uh, very good, a very hard goodbye to Tuka Rask this week and just... 2011 Stanley Cup champion. He won the Vesna Trophy for best goaltender in the 2014. A 2014 Olympic bronze medalist. Won the William N. Jennings Trophy in 2020. He was a first-team All-American once in 2014. A second-team All-American. I said All-American. I meant say All-Star. First-team All-Star. Second-team All-Star in 2020. In his career, 564 games played with a record of 308 wins only 165 losses, and 52 shutouts. This man is a stud of a goaltender, a huge part of not only the 2011 Cup run, but the 2013 and the 2019 ones that fell just short. So we're really going to miss him. Then switching into the other Bruins topic that's not so good, Brad Marchand. I love you. You're my favorite Bruin, my favorite player in the league, but don't get suspended anymore, man. Like You, you have a league record. This is your eighth suspension, six games, and this is not a time like this is not the time to have not have one of our best players. It's just not. Yeah, Marshand has a horrible reputation within the NFL. Nobody likes him unless he he's one of those players that when he's on your team you love him, but if he's not on your team you absolutely hate him because he's just like a down and dirty player. I love him because he's on the Bruins, and I would I would hate him if he was on any other team. But when he goes out and does stuff like this, and what what exactly was his suspension? Was he did he smack a dude with a stick? Is that what he did? So he charged the Pittsburgh Penguins goalie, 
punched him in the face, which obviously started a pretty big brawl. And then when it was the refs were kind of breaking everything up, he kind of skated back over there and swung his stick at the goalie again. And, yeah, the look on your face says it all. <laughs> Jesus. I, I love the guy, but we just can't have this, man. Yeah, that's... It, it's not cute at that point. <laughs> right. And, I mean, what kind of a beef do you have with a goalie? Like, I mean, I know he's saving your, you know, he's probably saving your shots and stuff, but, like, I just don't see the beef there with a goalkeeper. But And everybody knows in hockey, soccer as well, you can't mess with the goalie. Like, that's that is one of the rules. Like, that – you can pick a fight with anybody else, but the goalkeeper is off limits. They have special rules and stuff. So Brad Marchand, what was it, six-game suspension now and his eighth overall suspension in his time in the NHL. I mean, this dude's got to be losing money left and right on all these suspensions. But, again, I love him for being a Bruin, but I would hate him if he was not. And then the the, the news that you started with, Tuka Rask, one of the NHL legends of our time, the longtime Boston Bruin goalkeeper, has officially retired this year. We thought he was going to do it last year. He came back, signed a one-year deal, and now has officially called it quits. I think it was definitely time. Um, I think it was definitely good timing for him to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm not sure how old he is, but he's been in the league for a long time, and he's won a Stanley Cup. He's played in two others. He's won the best goalie of the year. He's played in the Olympics. He's played in all-star games. He's done everything that there is to do if you're a goalie, and he will go down as a Boston Bruin legend. I mean, he has been the goalie for as long as I can remember watching hockey. I got into hockey 2009-2010, and he was the goalie for the Bruins, and, and I was a Bruins fan. That's who I jumped on, and, and he's been my goalie for a long time. And so I love Tuka Rask. I love everything that he's done for Boston. So salute to you, man. You had a great career. Enjoy retirement. And two other news before we get out of here into the bottom of the hour. The Edmonton Oilers fired their head coach today after two and a half years. Hockey's really weird. They always fire people in the middle of the season. I don't really get it. But that's what happened today. And then last weekend was the All-Star game. Daniel, did you watch any of that? I did a little bit. I was very busy last weekend. I went up to Tuscaloosa to hang out with my friend Will. So I didn't really get to watch a ton of it because we went to the um, Alabama-Kentucky game. And I'm about, I was watching the highlights later, and, man, but the Metro, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was in Las Vegas, so they, there was definitely a lot of eyes on it, whether on TV or there at the venue. But that was some other NHL news that the All-Star weekend in the game and everything was last weekend in Las Vegas. Well, that's going to wrap up number three of the Big Three and finish out the Big Three as a whole. When we come back here on Moonlight Madness, we will take a look around Auburn Athletics and what has been a busy week here in Auburn. You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. In studio with me tonight is Daniel Locke, one of my most decorated guests that I have on the show. He comes on all the time. I love having him in here. We always have a good time talking about whatever's going on in the sports world. We are halfway through the show here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We are rolling on into the show. Let's take a look around Auburn Athletics. So we're going to start with the big one that's going on since about this time last week was when the rumbling started happening with Brian Harson, the head coach, as of right now, of Auburn football. And this was about the time last week, Daniel, when the rumbling started going on, some rumors started flying around, and it has just gone off the rails ever since. Yeah, this is just it's just a wildfire at this point, and I don't know. I, I really kind of hate it because personally, personally, I don't really believe the rumors. I don't think he did that, what he was accused of. And then how the university implemented, very shady, shadily implemented that clause. To, I feel like they're going to try to force him out. And here's, the, here's what we're going to do. Um... Obviously, everybody knows what the rumors were, the so-called allegations were, whatever it was, we're not going to talk about those things because we don't know if they're true. We don't know if anything is true. We don't know what the university is investigating. We don't know what happened, what hasn't happened. So we're going to establish what we know. We know that Brian Harson was on vacation last week. He got back yesterday. 
We know that Auburn officially launched an investigation into Brian Harson and the football program. And we know that as of today, Brian Harson is still the football coach at Auburn, and he was in Birmingham for a coaches meeting with the conference of the SEC. Those is, that is what we know as of right now. And also that Auburn, the university, implemented a new rule that any university employee who does not who does not what's the word I'm looking for here? Cooperate. Cooperate, thank you. Any employee that does not cooperate with any university investigation can be fired with that being the cause, which means they wouldn't get as much money when they're fired. Now, the timing of that is extremely weird because that is exactly what applies to Brian Harson right now. Now, whether that was already in the works and it just now got implemented or if they wrote that up a couple days ago, nobody really knows. But, and at this point, all we can do is wait because we don't know anything. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know who the university is talking to. We don't know who Brian Harson's talking to. And at the end of the day, we're not going to know anything until they tell us. Yeah, and that's really what sucks about this. This morning on the Eagle's Nest, Alex Houston kind of was comparing it to Jetgate a little bit. When um, For everyone listening at home, if you don't know what Jetgate was, it was in 2003 during Tommy Tuberville's first season on the Plains where during the dead of night, they flew Bobby Petrino down from, I can't remember if he was at Arkansas or at Louisville at the time, and basically interviewed him, and they were going to try to hire him as their coach that night. However, it didn't work out for some reason, and then I they just retreated back to Tuberville, and, you know, the rest is history. The next year they went undefeated and should have won the national championship, but this is just, no matter what happens, it's going to put a cloud over the football program, and I feel like it'll set us back a long way. And at the end of the day, and I've been saying this on on my show On the Line with Noah Gardner over on ESPN 106.7, I've been saying that it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to watch what is happening at Auburn right now within the football program. The national media is all over it and laughing at us. Every fan in the country is laughing at Auburn because, I mean, what in the world's going on down there? You know what I mean? And so at this point, and I said this today on the show, I said at this point, I don't care what happens because I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea. Nobody does. The media doesn't. The fans don't. The players probably don't. You know, the only people that know is the university themselves. And here's the statement that I made today. Whatever happens, whatever it's going to be, Auburn needs to make that decision right now. They need to make it ASAP as soon as possible because the longer they wait, the worse it's going to be. Whether they keep Brian Harson, it's going to be bad the longer they wait because spring ball's coming up. He's not with the team. It makes it look even worse, and the fans are just going to get even more mad. Or if Auburn is deciding to fire him, they have got to get somebody else in here because, like I just said, spring ball is right around the corner. We're a couple months away, Daniel, from spring football, and if we fire the coach, we got to get somebody else in here. So that's my biggest point is if no matter what Auburn's going to do and no matter what your opinion is on whether Brian Harson should stay, leave, do whatever, Auburn's got to make their decision right now. Yeah, like tomorrow or tonight. And honestly, I hope they keep him. I really do. I like Harson a lot. I've, I've bought in since the beginning, and I would hate to see that kind of all washed away. Because I still believe that there is some potential here, you know? Like, yeah, this will set us back. Right now, if they were to just announce that they're keeping him, I feel like it sets us back a year. We'll, we'll go, you know, we might go 6-6 six and six again next year or whatever. But then I feel like that'll be, starting in 2023, we'll really be able to recover. But, you know, we didn't do, we, we did terrible on National Signing Day. We didn't get a single recruit, and we lost three people we thought we had a good shot of getting. So, do you feel like that had any part to play in this? Yeah, but at the same time, I think that may have just been like a cherry on top type of thing. I think 
going six and seven last season, having a a not a top fifteen recruiting class had something to do with it. And the reports of Harson just not being a, a nice guy and being hard to work with. I think all of that just had a all of those had huge plays in this decision to look into the whole football program. And and again, we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. And we're not going to know until Auburn tells us what's going on. But my take is they got to get this thing right and get it done. I understand there's a process. There's a lot to go through. And I understand all of that fully. But whatever the decision is, Auburn's got to make it and make it as soon as physically possible right now because the longer they wait, the worse it's going to be. But let's transition out of football and look at a little little Auburn basketball. We talked about this at the top of the hour at the beginning of the show. Of course, Auburn basketball coming off a tough loss on the road Tuesday night at Arkansas in overtime, 80-76. to and we, pre- and we talked about why Auburn lost that basketball game and why neither one of us are really worried about Auburn losing this basketball game. So for the people that were not tuned in the first 30 minutes and now are in the second 30 minutes, Daniel, why are you not worried about this Auburn basketball team despite losing on the road on Tuesday night at Arkansas? I'm not really concerned because throughout this season we've shown how good we can be. And on top of that, I still don't feel like we've played our best game yet. So I'm not concerned just because there's still a lot of basketball left to play. We still have a one-game lead in the SEC to win their regular season title. And I don't feel like we drop another. I really don't. I feel like that's going to be enough of a wake-up call for this team to remind them not to do this again. And I agree with your statement that Auburn has still not played their best basketball yet. And that's okay. But it's with this loss – Now's the time to realize, okay, this team still has some issues that they need to fix. There's still some problems with this basketball team that makes them not perfect yet. But I think now with the loss, now is the time. It's still February. So now is the time for Auburn and Bruce Pearl to fix those problems, not not just identify them, but fix those problems right now. So then when March rolls around, they don't lose another game. They win out the regular season. They win the SEC championship, and they go into March and in the NCAA tournament, and they win six games in a row, and they come out with the title. I think that's what is so important from this loss on Tuesday night. A loss does not hurt this team, especially that kind of loss, because I said it earlier, Arkansas should have already been ranked in the top 25. I think they're a top 20 team, possibly a top 15 team in the country right now with the way they're playing, and they're especially going to be that come Monday when the new rankings come out. I think Auburn may drop to like three in the AP poll would be my guess. I think Gonzaga will take over as the number one. Um, But I think this loss does not hurt Auburn. It helps them in the long run. Yeah, I think so too. And I feel like we're going to get passed definitely by Gonzaga, maybe by Purdue. But do you think if Auburn looks good Saturday and maybe Gonzaga and Purdue don't, do you think we get to hold on to number one? I don't think so because I don't see Gonzaga losing because of the people they play. And Purdue, I forgot about them. They're playing really, really good basketball right now. If for some reason Purdue were to lose over the weekend, I think Auburn would probably be the second best team in the country. They'd be ranked number two. But I don't see Auburn holding on to the number one spot after losing um, on Tuesday. And even if Auburn wins on Saturday, I still see Auburn being at least two probably the third team ranked in the new AP poll. But speaking of Saturday, Auburn's got a big day in Auburn Arena. Texas A&M is coming to town early Saturday, but who else is coming to town? ESPN's college game day for the first time in two years since the Kentucky game two years ago. Daniel, this will be your first time experiencing college game day in Auburn. Are you going to be there? I am not going to be there. Oh, boo. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be in North Carolina, but I'm. We, we made the plans to go on this trip before we found out it was going to be game day. If I had known, I probably would have found a different weekend. Plus, it's the Outlive game, so I, I am pretty disappointed. But, you know, there's always next year. Always next year, right. But this is a big thing for Auburn to have college game day. They're still going to be the number one team in the country come Saturday. So Auburn will be hosting Texas A&M on Saturday for college game day, and then the game will be immediately after on ESPN. So make sure you tune in for that. 
Some other Auburn athletic news before we head to break. Opening day for college softball was today. Auburn will be opening up tomorrow as they will be hosting Seton Hall at Jane B. Moore Field. So softball is officially underway. If you've never been to a softball game at Auburn, I highly recommend that you go. They're a lot of fun. I expect this team to be better than last year and be right in the middle of the pack for the SEC. And that means a top 25 program, folks, because the SEC, just like it is in all other sports, it's dominant when it comes to softball. Other sporting news inside Auburn Athletics, baseball is also right around the corner, so keep your eye on that. We are like a week away, if not less, from Auburn baseball getting underway. And then Auburn Gymnastics. They had a tough loss last weekend on the road at LSU, but they still put up the highest score ever. They matched their highest score ever as a program on the road against LSU. And LSU competed out of their minds and still won the meet. But Auburn is performing at a very high level on the gymnastics floor. On all four events, they are dominating all four events right now. So gymnastics has a home meet tomorrow night at Auburn Arena against Missouri. So if you're in town for the weekend, go to the gymnastics meet, go to the softball game, and then go to the basketball game on Saturday. It's a fun time to be an Auburn Tiger here in Auburn, Alabama. It sure is. I really am sad I'm going to not be here this weekend because I want to go to the gymnastics. I want to go to softball. I definitely want to go to basketball, but it just wasn't in the cards this time around. I've been working media. I've been covering a lot of the gymnastics meets. Be sure to follow me at Daniel J. Locke to get the most up-to-date gymnastics coverage during most meets because I've kind of taken on a role as Weagle's like, chief writer for gymnastics. There you go. So, yeah, be sure to follow me, get the most up-to-date information. Um, and, yeah. It's a good time to be covering Auburn Gymnastics. They've got they've got some girl that's like a Olympic gold medalist or something. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, Her something like, like that. Sinisa. Yeah, Sinisa Lee. She's one of the goats of Auburn Gymnastics already. It will only get better. Well, that wraps up taking a look around Auburn Athletics here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, I'm going to give you a live score update from sporting events from all around the country, and then we'll take a look at what are the odds. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jacob Goins. Daniel Locke is in studio with me tonight. If you missed any of the show or can't catch it live, just search Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, we are live every Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM, WGL 91.1 FM, or on the website at WEGLFM.com. We are entering the final two segments of the show with just under 10 minutes to go. I'm going to give you a live score update from scores all over the country. We're going to start in college women's basketball where the Auburn Tigers women's basketball team are on the road at Arkansas. So the men just played at Arkansas. Now the women's team is over there. It is currently 36-29. to The Tigers are on top of the Razorbacks at the half. So women's basketball, seven-point lead on the road at Arkansas. That's a win that they desperately need to get back in the SEC. In men's college hoops, some top 25 action going on tonight. Number seven, Duke, on top of Clemson on the road, 36-24, nearing the end of the first half. Our friends, Murray State, now inside the top 25. The number 23-ranked Murray State on the road at Tennessee State. That game is just underway. Murray State up 4-0, two minutes in. Four more games to go off this evening that have top 25 teams. Gonzaga, the number two team, the number one to be, Gonzaga Bulldogs hosting Pacific tonight at 8 o'clock on CBS Sports. Number three, Purdue Boilermakers visiting Michigan at 8 o'clock. San Diego visiting number 22, St. Mary's at 8. And number four, Arizona traveling to Washington State also at 8 o'clock. Some NHL scores for you around the country. Carolina Hurricanes currently up 4-0 on our Boston Bruins, Daniel, at the end of the second period. That's I've been watching it the whole show. It's been sloppy. That's brutal. Blue Jackets on the road at Buffalo, currently down 2-1 to one at the start of the second period. The Capitals and the Canadiens, Washington up 4-2 to two at the end of the second period. Penguins up 1-0 on the Senators at the start of the second period. And the New Jersey Devils on top 2-1 to one of the St. Louis, Louis Blues at the end of the first period. Two more games to go off tonight in the NHL. The Toronto Maple Leafs visiting the Flames. That is at 8 o'clock. And the Tampa Bay Lightning out in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. That will be at 8 o'clock as well. And then in the NBA, seven games to go today. L.A. Clippers visiting the Dallas Mavericks, currently tied at 12 halfway through the first quarter. Memphis Grizzlies 
Grizzlies, excuse me, at the Detroit Pistons. It is currently the Grizzlies with a big lead, 87-73, to nearing the end of the third quarter. Miami Heat visiting the New Orleans Pelicans. That is a tight ball game. Heat on top, 56-55 at the half. The new-look Brooklyn Nets, not the new look yet, made some big moves at the trade deadline today, currently up 59-55 to on the Wizards at the half. And then the Raptors up by a point on the Rockets, 50-49, to with six minutes to go in the second quarter. Two more games to go off tonight. New York Knicks visiting the Golden State Warriors at 9 o'clock on uh, when it looks like some local channel out there. And then the Milwaukee Bucks visiting the Phoenix Suns, a finals rematch at 9 o'clock on TNT. That is your live score update from all the sports going on around the country. So let's dive into what are the odds. So what are the odds? Daniel, I was so good all semester so far. And last week was my worst week in the history of this show in the, you know, seven or eight months that I've been doing this show. Last week was my worst week yet. I went 0 for 3, my friend. Dang. Well, it's time to bounce back. Time to bounce back. That's right. I went 0-3 last week, but I'm still 10-5 and overall so far this semester, so I'm still doing pretty good. And, of course, we're going to do the Super Bowl, but first I have a couple college basketball picks for you tonight. So if you're listening live right now, Thursday, February 10th, I've got two picks for you at the 8 o'clock Central Time slate. I've got two picks for you. First, the number three team in the country, Purdue Boilermakers at Michigan Wolverines. I've got Purdue minus four on the road. I think Purdue is too good. I think they're playing really good basketball right now, coming off a big win against Illinois on Tuesday night. And I like the Boilermakers. And Michigan's just not playing good ball, man. They're not that good of a team. They won't even be in the tournament. I like Purdue to roll on the road at Michigan tonight. That game is coming on in just a few minutes. And then also, the late game in the Pac-12, a conference that is struggling mightily. They have a couple ranked teams, but they shouldn't because the Pac-12 is not that good. I'm just I'm just telling you right now, folks. But Stanford on the road at Oregon. I'm going to take Stanford, the Cardinal, plus 8.5 on the road at Oregon tonight. I like that game of college basketball as well. I think the Pac-12, those two teams will keep it close. Neither one of those teams are great, but I think they'll keep it close. I like Stanford plus 8.5 at Oregon, and then Purdue minus four at Michigan. And then, of course, the big one. I said I was going to hold off my pick earlier for the Super Bowl until we got to this segment. And, Daniel, you had the Rams to win outright earlier, and you said they don't cover. Is that what you said? I forgot. The spread's three and a half, so I'm going to go with the Rams covering. Yeah, I've got it at four. I've seen it bounce around from three and a half, four, and four and a half in the favor of Rams. So I'm just going to take it right down the middle because I, when I looked at it and I made and I was prepping for the show, I saw it at four. So that's what I'm going to go with. But it doesn't matter. Give me the Bengals plus four. Give me the Bengals plus four. Give me them plus three and a half. Give me them plus four and a half. Here's my take on this before we get out of here. If you want, and this is of course this is for fun, but if you want to, if you want to win. I don't know. I think the safe bet is the Rams' money line. I think that's the safe bet in my opinion. I think the next safest bet would be the Rams' minus 3.5. I like the minus 3.5 or minus 4, minus 4.5. It's all going to be about the same. That's probably the second safest bet. Then the next one would be the Bengals plus the points at plus 4. That's my pick is Bengals plus 4. But then if you really want to have some fun, Take the Bengals' money line and just cheer for America's team and cheer for Joe Shiesty because it's going to be a heck of a game no matter what. My professional opinion, if I just had to pick a team, I would say the Rams would win this game. But I like the Bengals plus four to keep it close, and that gives them a chance to still win this ball game. So I like the Bengals plus four. Daniel, you're riding with the Rams and to cover. Is that correct? That is correct. All right, so we will check back next week to see – how we did. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to Super Bowl Sunday. It's just an awesome day from start to finish. There's a different air going on when there's a different air in the atmosphere when the Super Bowl is upon us on Super Bowl Sunday. One thing that you're looking forward to on Super Bowl Sunday besides the game, what's one more thing you're looking forward to? On Sunday? 
Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. Besides the football game, oh, is it okay. the commercials? Is it the food? Is it the you know, uh, hanging out with all your friends? What what what's one more thing you're looking forward to besides the game itself? You know, that's all good, but I really like the trophy presentation. Really? Okay. I, I know that kind of ties into the game, so I'll give you something else too. I like it. I think that's separate, though. I like that. That's not the game. That's after the game, and I, I like that. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, it's just it's awesome to see these guys like how emotional they get when they realize that the what they've been grinding for their whole life they they finally got it, and they're so so like happy and relieved. And it's just awesome to see. But you know, watching Game of Friends is always fun. So that that's awesome too. That's a good answer. I like that. That's a good way to end this show. Daniel says his favorite part that he's looking forward to besides the game itself on Sunday is the trophy presentation. I like that. I'm going to be honest, man. I like all the food. I love all the the different finger foods, whether you're out at the bar watching it or with all your friends and everybody brings some stuff. I like that part and hanging out with my friends and just watching the game, having a good time. But that's going to do it for What Are the Odds? And that's going to do it for Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I really thank everybody who joined us live on the show and if you're listening to the podcast i really do appreciate you listening as well just search moonlight madness wherever you get your podcast it'll be on everywhere and be on all of them so make sure you check it out daniel where can everybody keep up with what you're doing you can follow me on twitter at daniel j Locke on instagram at the daniel Locke. i'm on there all the time constant updates about sports and just everything going on be sure to give me a follow and listen to the eagles nest thursday mornings at 10 a.m Well, there you have it. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me yet again on the show. I really do appreciate you coming in, talking some sports with me. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, J-A-C-O-B. You can get all my show updates, my sporting news and updates, and my updates about the other show that I'm on, on the line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Make sure you tune into that show as well every single day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. over there on ESPN 106.7. And as a podcast as well, just search on the line. It's me and Noah Gardner having a lot of fun over there. But that's going to do it for me in the studio here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Thanks for listening. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7 right here on Weagle 91.1 FM Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.